Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. guys. 100 years ago yesterday, the Lincoln Memorial was dedicated on the National Mall in our nation's capital, a monument to the 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. And there's there's much to that. Uh, I love this arrangement from the piano guys. They always do such an extraordinary job. But this one was personal for them. Uh, they really dug deep uh, into their own personal histories and visits to places like Gettysburg. And all of those lead us to different kinds of conversations. And as I was thinking about it yesterday on Memorial Day, as we think about that monument, and in some ways it seems like uh, the Lincoln Memorial is older than 100 years, Uh, but it was just 100 years. And it's actually part of the monument is a monument to how slow government can work. Uh, Really interesting. In 1867, two years after President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. Congress formed the Lincoln Monument Association, 1867. It wasn't until 1901 that that group selected the site where the monument would be built, which, of course, is due west of the Washington Monument. And then it wasn't until 1911, a decade later, that President Taft signed the Lincoln Memorial Bill into law, which provided the $2 million that was required for the project to begin. Uh, It was two years after that (laughs) that the architect was chosen and construction actually began. And then, of course, finally, it was in 1922 uh, that, uh, that it was dedicated and finished. Uh, But that is a monument to how slow the wheels of uh, democracy and our government can turn. That if you form a committee in 1967, uh, you can maybe get a monument done by 1922. And interesting, they even went through some very interesting gyrations in in terms of what the, the monument should be. Uh, Initially, there were talks of uh, having it be a pyramid uh, or in the form of a Mayan temple. 
And fortunately, that was uh, scrapped along the way, as committees often do. And thank heavens they did on that one. Uh, but, of course, they ended up going with this uh, very Greek style, uh, which I think was important in connecting the roots of democracy uh, to one who preserved democracy in our constitutional republic. Uh, there are 36 columns, of course, one for each of the states uh, that existed at the time of Lincoln's death. And uh, so interesting as you think through what that monument means to so many people. Uh, and the fact that the monument was not uh, just the monument, but it has also become a place uh, for so many important events in our nation's history. Uh, you think, of course, of Dr. Martin Luther King and his I Have a Dream speech delivered right there, so significant, so symbolic in so many ways, and other marches that uh, have taken place there. And when you when you really step back and start thinking through what is that monument really, really all about? Millions go there every year. And when you when you start stepping through what is in the monument, the way it looks, the way it was crafted, uh, I always go back to a, a quote from Winston Churchill that uh, he gave during World War II when they were actually talking about uh, rebuilding a government building uh, that had been bombed. And he said something really interesting in the context of that speech. Churchill said that we shape our buildings and then our buildings shape us. And I don't know anywhere where that is more applied than at the Washington, excuse me, at the Lincoln Memorial. That the Lincoln Memorial really is something that was shaped and has since then shaped the country. So interesting, there are uh, so many things that uh, took place uh, leading up to that. And I actually want to go for a second to uh, the dedication of the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, It was uh, the president at the time uh, made an interesting statement. He said, fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, statement there. President Harding, uh, of course, was the the president then. And he was the last president born uh, before the end of the Civil War. So that was an interesting transition and juxtaposition. He said, this memorial is less for Abraham Lincoln than for those of us today and for those who will follow after. Uh, president Harding was pretty good with uh, with words, and I think he nailed it on on that one. Uh, that the memorial really was less for or about Abraham Lincoln. It was much more for and about each of us today and for those that will follow after. And so I want to go through some of the messaging inside of the Lincoln Memorial because I I think it's fitting and proper that we go back to that as we look at it over the course of 100 years. Of course, uh, when you walk up those steps and between those columns and the majestic statue of uh, Lincoln, thoughtful, uh, weary, hopeful. Uh, they all, all those expressions seem to be captured in that extraordinary sculpture. And of course, above him, it says, in this temple, as in the hearts of the people for whom he saved the Union, the memory of Abraham Lincoln is enshrined forever. And beneath those words, the 16th president of the United States, the great emancipator, 
and preserver of the nation during the Civil War. Uh, And he is there in marble. And then, of course, uh, on the the walls are inscribed two of the most famous of Lincoln's speeches, of course, the Gettysburg Address, which uh, many can quote, uh, but I don't think we think about nearly enough or nearly as much as we should. And then the other wall contains his second inaugural address. And both of those are really important. As you look at the words from Gettysburg, of course, uh, I have always maintained and continue to believe that that speech was really not about looking back at those who had given the last full measure of devotion as much as it was a challenge, an invitation, uh, and a test for the rest of us. It's about we here, highly resolved. It is up to us, the living, to be so dedicated. Uh, And the bulk of the back half of that speech really is forward-moving, forward-looking, and forward-challenging to each of us and our role in all of this, that it is for us, the living, to be here dedicated. Uh, That's an important thing. The Lincoln Memorial is not there just to reflect back. It's to project us forward. It's to compel us to move forward. It's to inspire us to sprint forward, to keep working towards that more perfect union. And Lincoln understood that. Lincoln believed that. Lincoln carried the weight of that. And then, of course, in the words from his second inaugural address, and these are the words that uh, I think are so important, Fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray that this mighty scourge of war will speedily pass away. I think that's a a line from that second inaugural that we we often overlook. But then we get to the, the real meat of the matter, the conclusion. Lincoln knew his way around words. In fact, one of my favorite books, I remember I got a gift from a, a good friend for Christmas one year and It was a book on Lincoln, and I have to admit, when I first opened it, I thought, great, the last thing I need is one more book about Abraham Lincoln. I think I have a million of them. Uh, But the title of the book caught me. It said, Abraham Lincoln, the biography of a writer. And I had never thought of it that way. Uh, Lincoln really was one of the last presidents that did almost all of his communication with the American people in written word. He had to get it out through newspapers and print. Uh, he couldn't just stand up and deliver a speech. Not that many could even hear. And so his his words matter. So he really was a writer. And great thinking usually comes from great writing and vice versa. I think they're interdependent. So you have to have great thoughts. You have to take in good stuff, and then you have to put it down on paper. And Lincoln understood that uh, in a way very few of our presidents have since because they've been able to do it with great charm or great charisma or with the use of great animation and graphics and music and sound and all the other things that we can use today to try to create a, a feeling, a sense. Lincoln was dependent 
on words. And I think that was part of his power and part of what enabled him to lead in very difficult times. And so as he wound down that second inaugural address, and again, these are chiseled in that beautiful marble in the Lincoln Memorial uh, that I think is really a, a clarion call for all of us, especially in our day. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. And as I said, Lincoln was a forward-looking visionary. And I think it was because of his humility. His humility gave him great discernment. His discernment led him to great insight. His insight led him to great foresight and a vision, not just of what the country needed then, but more importantly, what the country needs now. And it is malice towards none and charity for all. It is, it is time. It is time to bind up the wounds of the nation and to link arms and to step forward together into what Lincoln described as that new birth of freedom. So 100 years uh, for the Lincoln Memorial in our nation's capital, I think it is more important than ever. Uh, that building was shaped, and that building continues to shape all of us if we let it. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for listening to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. And as always, you go out into the world, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. Listen on any smart speaker and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.